You see, I really believe when you study the Ten Commandments, you'll understand that God set us free in Christ so we could learn to live free. He set us free so we could begin to live free. In John 8, Jesus made uh, some interesting, had some interesting things go on. The whole chapter is quite interesting. The first part, there's some questionable information. There's not questionable in the sense that Jesus would or would not have done it. But it begins with them bringing a woman caught in adultery before Jesus and saying, this woman was caught in adultery and according to the law of Moses, she should be put to death. What do you say? And of course, we all know that story, don't we? Because the Bible says Jesus began to knelt down, he began to draw in the sand. We don't know what he was drawing, you know. Uh, I've heard theories, it's all theory. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was probably pretty effective. He was doodling in the sand. And, um, and then he very quietly looked at the men who had caught her in adultery. You wonder how they caught her in adultery. And then he says, those of you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Remember that passage? It's one of the favorites in the Bible. It really is. And again, there's early manuscripts sometimes don't contain that in there. But here's what I do know. This would be consistent with Jesus. This would be consistent with Jesus. And I love the passage when it says, and when they had heard it, they, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Jesus left alone, was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Now, notice he didn't just say, Go on and continue what you're doing. He said, Go on and sin no more. That's what he told her. Then he goes into a passage where he says to them, I'm the light of the world. Now, that is a word we're very common, to, we're accustomed to, but these are one of the, I think there are eight I am's in the Gospel of John, and the word I am there, and many people believe that when Jesus was using that term, he was declaring himself to be God, because if you go back in the Old Testament, Moses, we're going to talk about him in a minute, when he went to the burning bush, he said, who do I tell him sent me? When he went to Egypt, remember that? You guys remember that part? You, you remember that part? If you hadn't remembered, you ought to go read it. It's amazing. Because talks, God talks to him through a bush that's burned, but it's not consumed. Amazing thing. And God tells him to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says, but who do I tell them sent me? And he said, tell them I am has sent you. Many people believe, and I really believe, that Jesus is equating himself to be God in these different I am statements in the book of John. In this case, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life. It's an amazing passage of scripture is what it is. And then Jesus says, uh, they said, we don't get it. We just don't get it. And Jesus says, you can't get it. But if you knew who I was, you'd get it. But you'll know who I am because the Father is going to have to reveal to you who I am. And Jesus goes through a series of events. And if they didn't get it after the resurrection, I guarantee you, they ain't going to get it. And what's interesting to me, when you look at this, Jesus in this passage of Scripture makes the statement that we all know. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We all knew that, didn't we? And the next statement sounds a whole lot like us sometimes. 
They answered him and said, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How do you say you will become free? Now, that's funny to me. If you read the statement, it's kind of a silly statement. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Well, they just got to talking about Moses. And by the way, they weren't actually free right now because they were living under the rule of whom? The Roman rule. They were living under Roman rule and said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. Some of you are there, though, because some of you are enslaved to some things in your life, but you're really not honest about it. You're really not honest about it. Jesus goes on to say, and I want you to think about this verse throughout this entire series. If there's going to be a memory verse for the series, this will be it. And I, I think you need to memorize some scripture. You guys think memorize scripture is important? It's hard to do. We've been memorizing scriptures on Wednesday night in a theology study we're doing, and I'm learning something. I'm losing brain cells. <laughs> What's messing me up more than anything is some of the verses, passages we're learning, I learned in the King James Version when I was a little boy. You know how hard it is to relearn something? It's hard to teach this old dog new tricks, okay? The, the King James is much easier to memorize in because it's very rhythmic. It's very poetic. You know, the ESV is just boring. No, it's not. It's really not. But it's not near as poetic, I promise you. But we've been memorizing Scripture. So we thought maybe this month and maybe over the next few weeks we could ask you to memorize two things during the series. We could ask you to memorize the verse we're going to read in just a moment out of John 8. And then... I want to encourage you to memorize the Ten Commandments. You have no other gods for me. Make any graven image. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Shouldn't lie, kill still. Uh, commit adultery. Bear false witness. Or covet. Am I right? Did I get them all right? I didn't quote them all exactly right, but that's the gist of it. And I think it would be a good idea for us to say if we believe something, actually know what we're believing. Is that a good idea? So we got 11 weeks to memorize this verse and then 10 commandments. We'll go through them one at a time. Next week, we're going to say, you'll have no other gods before me. But we wanted to use this verse, and I say we because all of our campuses are doing this, and we just kind of settled in on this verse. Jesus answered them, John 8, 34 and 37. Jesus answered them. I want you to start reading with me right there. Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Isn't that the coolest verse? Isn't that the coolest verse? Notice the two things. Jesus said, look, if you believe in Jesus, who is the Son, that's the Son of God. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how does it happen? How in the world does that happen in our lives? To answer that, I want to just look at two questions this morning, because this is sort of where I want us to begin. First, I want us to ask yourself the question... I want us to ask this simple question, are you truly, have you truly been set free? Have you truly been set free? And if so, there's going to be a second question, because if you've been set free, 
Second question B, are you truly living free? Now, the first question is important because when you begin to answer this question, you come to a point where you realize that, you know, we seldom deliver ourselves from anything. I mean, seldom do I ever deliver myself from anything. In fact, here's, here's one thing I guarantee you, and I think we could all agree on this. We all specialize in bondage. We do. I mean, we all specialize in, in, in letting go of freedoms and, and finding ourselves in bondage, just much like the Israelites did over in the book of Exodus. They, you know, you read this story and, and, and you understand that these people are under the, the bondage of a taskmaster and they are are in bondage, and they don't have in and of themselves the capacity to free themselves. And so what are they doing the whole time, or at least those last years they're in Egypt? Because the first few years were going pretty good. I mean, first few years they went there because they needed feed, and they needed water, and they needed those things, and they had that in Egypt because Joseph had been there, and he had stored all this stuff up. And so he went there, and it just started out pretty good, but for long, as the rulers changed, they saw the Israelites as a source of a resource, and they began to take them more and more into captivity, and now you find themselves at the end of Genesis crying out to God in the misery of their captivity and saying, God, where are you? Are you ever going to deliver us? Now, I understand that because for me, captivity doesn't generally start with something I don't like. It starts with something I like. And isn't it true, let's be honest, a lot of things that we thought were the things that were going to make us happy are now the things that have captivated us and they don't make us happy at all. And that's exactly what you find in this passage of Scripture. And the truth is, and I want you to get this, the truth is, the only reason anyone has ever been set free spiritually is because God set them free. Because when you read the story of the Exodus, what you read is how God enters into the picture and God literally sets these people free. He sets them free. In fact, when you look at this verse, it says all the people of Israel in Exodus 12 Verses 50 and 51 says, all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, listen to this, on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. In other words, the Lord set them free. And, and, and it's important for us to remember that. Now, you can remember with me that when God enters in, he tells Moses, go in and tell him to set my people free. And of course, he said no. And and so you find these 10 plagues. You remember the plagues? Isn't this a real exciting sermon on Father's Day? Okay. Remember the 10 plagues? Let me, let me remind you what the 10 plagues are. The first one was the, the plague of, of water turning into blood. You guys want a little bratwurst this morning? Then there was the, the plague of the frogs. Remember there's frogs everywhere? Uh, there were frogs everywhere. I won't tell you how my, my dad preached this sermon one time, and uh, this, it was emotional singing that song a minute ago because I was thinking about my daddy this morning. My dad used to preach a sermon one time called One More Night with the Frogs. And in his sermon, he said, there were frogs everywhere. Everywhere you went, there were frogs. If you walked down the fro street, the frogs squished up between your toes. 
You went in your house, there's frogs in your house. You open your cabinets, there's frogs in your cabinets. You open your, un, un, undo the covers on your bed, there's frogs in your bed. You look in your drawers, there's frogs in your bro- drawers. And they say, can you imagine having frogs in your drawers? <laughs> it was the funniest sermon my dad ever preached. So the blood and the frogs, and then there was lice or gnats. There were flies, there were livestock, there were boils, there was hell, there was locusts, there was darkness. Now the first nine sound a whole lot like Texas? Where's, where's, where's Marcus? You missed this? Yeah. But the last one was, the, the, was the, 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 the one that set him free, wasn't it? The death of the firstborn. You remember the story? God says, look, I'm going to send a death angel and, and I'm going to take the firstborn. And unless I see the blood over the doorpost, and if I see that, I will pass over. And everyone in that household will be, will be saved. An amazing thing. God even delivered them then. What's interesting to me is that the Israelites still struggled. In Exodus 14, 13 and 14, Moses said to the people, Fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Notice those words. Stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. Because here's what happened. They got out there on the edge of the water. They saw the armies of Egyptians coming. They started crying and whining to God again. We ought to go back to Egypt. And he says, stand firm, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So who delivered who? God delivered the Egyptians. Then again in chapter 14 says, This Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Short-lived. But they were free. But let me tell you why they were free. They were free... Because God had delivered them. And here's the truth. You've got to understand this. True spiritual deliverance always begins and ends with God. Always begins and ends with God. Look back over history and you will discover that those who are free are set free. In fact, that's what the cross is all about the cross is all about. When we come to the cross, we're set free. Not because of what we do, not because we came to the cross, because when the cross comes to us, when we enter into a relationship with God through the cross, he sets us free. He delivers me from my bondage. From my weakness, from my taskmasters. He delivers me from my slavery. And the only reason I'm free and free indeed is because I've depended wholly and fully on what God has provided for me 
in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's some good news. But you don't sound like it. Isn't it good news? You know, I went to a Dodger game the other night, and um, was that guy hit that home run? And then they took him off to prison, the guy who caught it? Justin Turner. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. He had a home run, and suddenly security and a police officer went down and said to the boy, come with us. I thought, man, I'm never catching a home run again. Come find out it was his 100th home run, and they wanted the ball. I said, well, you didn't have to bring the Army to get it. (laughs) They took him off. I'm sure he got a lot of things. I'd have got at least 10 grand, I guarantee you. Uh, But but he got that ball. I mean, he got another one with Justin's autographs, what I understand, and they took him up to the store and let him get things he wanted. Oh, shoot, that's his... I'd have said 10 grand butter, it's not yours. Because <laughs> I know he can afford it. Yeah, he made $10,000 just for sitting on the bench that night. So, um, Are you free? But let me ask you another question. If you're really free and God's delivered you, then why are you in such bondage? Now, this is why this matters at this particular point in time, because when when the Egyptians left Egypt, they left there, and they were theoretically freed. The problem is they'd been in Egypt for how many years? Anybody remember? 400 years. 400 years. Now, over 400 years, do you think maybe some of Egypt have rubbed off on them? In fact... When you listen to Egypt, they worshiped all sorts of weird gods. In fact, many people believe when you look at the the plagues, the ten plagues, when you look at those, each of those represented some kind of Egyptian deity. I don't know that. I can understand that because they worshiped about anything anything that walked. I mean, they were into natural and nature worship, emperor worship. They're all into all sorts of things. Do you think some of that might have bled over into their life? You think any uh, idols bled over into their life? Yeah, I think a lot of it had bled over into their life. And so here's what's sad. While theoretically they're already free, they still got a lot of stuff in their life that's keeping them in bondage. I think I relate to that. I really think I relate to that because here's the reality. The question is, I may have been set free, but am I truly free? Just because you set free, because you've been set free, doesn't mean that you're living free. I mean, he tells them, I'm the Lord your God who brought you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I brought you out. But here's what you'll discover. They just couldn't get it. In Exodus 14 again, you go back to 14, when the, people, when the people drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Now, we talked about this a minute ago, because what happens is they get free, they're all going out there, and they're happy, and for some reason, Moses, as a bad leader, brings them to a place that they're at an impasse, and they turn around and look, and here comes the armies of Egypt, and what do they do? Instead of looking back and realizing that God had already delivered them miraculously, that was not really a problem for God at this point, they look back and they start complaining to God. And here's what it says. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? I don't remember this statement. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Is that what they were saying? It's not what they were saying. They were crying out to God saying, God, deliver us. Where's the deliverer? Send us a deliverer. But they have a real short memory. And all of a sudden they go back and say, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. See today, you will never see it again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Let me ask you, and I think this is a good question as we enter into the Ten Commandments. What is in your life today that keeps you from living in the freedom of Christ? What is it that keeps you from living in the freedom of Christ? In our 101 class, which is a very good class, if you've not taken it, you really should. It's just a remarkable class. The first probably third of the class, we just go through the gospel is what we do. And it's an amazing, amazing class. In fact, I, I tell people all the time, I, I've taught this class so many times. Every time I go through it, my heart is encouraged again because it's just simple truth, but I don't know about you. It's simple truth really transforms my life to some degree. It just seems like every time I go through it. Well, in, 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 in the gospel presentations, one of the things we do is we talk about the different things that God has provided for us in Christ that we could never provide for ourselves. Look at them. They're right there on your outline. Here's what they are. Number one, uh, God gives us a clear conscience. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody here struggle with your conscience? Romans 8, 6 it basically says we, we've been given life and we've been given peace. You have life, but how much peace do you have? We have help with our weaknesses. Anybody here got any weaknesses? We have purpose. Have you ever wondered why in the world am I here? We have confidence. We have deep confidence. And we have security because we know this, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. I was thinking about this a few months ago, and I was looking at these right before I taught 101 again, and I was thinking to myself, the world, get this, the world is making billions of dollars right now trying to provide ways for you to have this stuff. I mean, how many people are trying to find clear conscience? You know how much money is being made today in the, in, the, in the counseling world because people can't get rid of their bad conscience? And, and life and peace. I mean, you know how many, how many people out there are making money and, man, they're selling stuff online and when, man, you can go cross your legs and say, ohm, and all your problems will go away. Every time I cross my legs, the ohm gets real bad. I mean, you think about how many things are out there trying to get you to, to let go of your problems. You've got life and peace. You've got help with weaknesses. I mean, just go online and look at all that. Just type these in. Say, I need help with the bad conscience. And look at how many things come up. I need help with, I need life and I need peace. And look at how many things come up. 
There's so much out there. And they all, all are willing to sell you something. But here's what's interesting. And again, I'm not bagging on those things in and of themselves. But here's what I want you to get. In Christ, what you understand is they are free. You don't have to earn a clear conscience. In fact, you can't. You don't have to earn life and peace because it's given to you in Christ. You don't, you don't have to ask. You don't have to wonder whether or not God will help you in your weaknesses. God will help you in your weakness. You don't have to wonder whether or not God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. I mean, you don't have to wonder whether or not you can live in confidence because God provides confidence for us. You don't have to do anything. And here's what's amazing to me. Every bit of this, every single thing we're talking about here in its essence is free. It doesn't mean there's not work involved in getting there. There is work involved in getting there. You know, several years ago, an old, old man gave me a picture of what he saw us doing in America with the gospel, because I think the gospel is really what matters. In fact, in Galatians, the last verse we're going to look at today, in the book of Galatians, Galatians is a passage of scripture where Paul had to address a group called the Judaizers, and the Judaizers were telling Gentiles, if you want to become truly saved, you have to become a Jew by going through all the rituals of Judaism, and if you do that, then you can become Christian. They begin adding these things to the gospel, and as you know, and we've studied in this church many times, Christ plus what equals salvation? Nothing. And so Paul writes, in fact, it's kind of Peter's involved in this, and he started rebuking that group. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? Now, I'm not telling you that the flesh is going to overcome these things. These are things inherently provided for us in salvation. But for many of us, what I think we need to do is we need to quit putting the gospel on top of the garbage. And, and here's what this old man said to me. He said, every human being is like a treasure chest. Every human being is like a treasure chest. And for much of our life, we just pack it full of stuff, don't we? Some of it's good. Some of it's not good. A lot of it's not good. And we get tired of it. And God the Holy Spirit somehow opens the lid of our life. You ever had God open the lid of your heart? It's an amazing moment when God opens the lid of your heart. And what we do many times is we kind of take the gospel... And we just kind of put it on top of it, and then we close the lid. And then we wonder why suddenly the gospel seems to lose its appeal. If you go right over the hill over here, there, just, just right over here, there's a, there's a uh, we used to call it the dump. I don't know, you can't call it that anymore because that's not, I'm sure it's not collect. It's where they take our trash. Landfill. There you go. There's a landfill. We called them dumps, okay? When we, my wife and I first moved here, we bought our house, and we used to tell everybody we bought a dump, and they said, oh, that's not appropriate. You shouldn't say that. In California, you don't buy dumps. You buy fixer-uppers. I said, well, I don't know what it is, but our fixer-upper is a dump, okay? <laughs> it really was. There was so much junk in that house when we got there, stuff that, whew, I mean, we found, we found things. We found drug paraphernalia. We found pictures 
that my wife made me get rid of and I wanted to get rid of. I mean, they were bad pictures. We found stuff in that house. Do you know what my wife did before we moved in there? She made me clean that garbage out. And what I believe many times is what we do is we take the gospel and without really allowing the Holy Spirit now to go to work and begin to work on us and begin to allow us to realize the freedom, the clear conscience, the life in peace, the different things that are provided for us in the gospel, what happens is we put it on top of the garbage and we don't really deal with the stuff in the treasure chest. And then we wonder why the contamination becomes more dominant than the gospel in our hearts. That's what we do. Can I tell you something? If they put, uh, if they put uh, contaminated things in the soil out there, they're going to put fresh soil on top of the contamination. Do you know what happens generally? The contamination tends to corrupt the good soil. The good soil doesn't clean up the corruption. So here's what I want you to see. The Ten Commandments are the mechanism that God gives us so that he can begin to clean out the stuff in our life that keeps us from realizing the full power of the gospel in our hearts. Now, am, you guys, am I making sense this morning? <laughs> that wasn't the most convincing thing I've heard in my life. Because <laughs> here's why, and here's my heart in this series. Some of you are living under the con condemnation of your past, and somehow you need to escape that. Because if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And those laws were not given to us to condemn us. They do condemn us in one sense of the term. But the laws were given to us so we could learn how to live within the parameters that God's created. Because it's inside of those parameters that we find all the freedom in the world. You see, we all desire to worship, don't we? I mean, I don't know of a human being that doesn't have a desire to worship. But boy, I tell you what, if you don't have the freedom of thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not make unto me graven images, if you don't have that, you're going to be caught up chasing all sorts of things that you can worship. And you miss the point. Because we were created to be worshipers of God. And freedom comes when we can let go of worshiping all this stuff in the world. And we can begin to worship our Creator. Have you been set free? I mean, have you really come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? I mean, have you really, really, really been set free? I mean, God has entered into your life. He has delivered you. He has done for you what you could never do for yourself. Have you really, really, really been set free? And if you've been set free, can I ask you a question? Are you beginning to live free? Are you finding victory in your life? What was that? That was strange. I guess it's time for me to shut up. Is that the alarm or something? I'm... Did you guys hear that? 
Was I going to say something wrong or something? You guys shutting me down. I don't even know what I was saying now. But, but you're free. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. It really was. Um, here's what I know. Some people in this building are living under condemnation because of choices and decisions you've made in the past. Wouldn't you like to be free of that? Some of you are, are just overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. Wouldn't you like to be free of that? Some of you just, all you think about is how weak you are. Wouldn't you like to find strength in the Lord? Some of you still wonder, what in the world is my purpose in this life? Wouldn't you like to have freedom from wondering what your purpose is? Some of you struggle with confidence. You're just caught up in fear, 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 fear of this, fear of that, fear of this, fear of that. I mean, you're so fearful. Wouldn't you like to have confidence that it's okay? Some of you struggle with security. My prayer for you is that somehow the God who set you free, you'll begin to allow him to move and work in your life so that suddenly you can begin to live free. Because Jesus said, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. So journey with me for 10 weeks. As we look at laws, laws that set us free so that we can live free.